game. Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, the podcast where we combine two of the great forms. <laughs> I love me. great forms. Great forms. Great. I want to play a game where I get through this introduction without a mistake. <laughs> Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. David, Carlos, Joe, I want you to pair some movies with some beers, and I want them to be outstanding pairings and not have to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. <laughs> We've all been introed already. Are so you just not are you creeped out? Are you like are you successfully I mean, so creeped out? I don't even think we were planning on recording today. I just went to bed last night, and I just happened to be here when I opened my eyes. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've chained uh, David to the chair he's into. That's right. I, there, there's a small micro cassette recorder over yes. in the corner of the room. I'm Play slowly me. trying to get towards it, but until I get there, I, I could use something in my glass. Yeah, and I have brought something to moisten the glasses. <laughs> Actually, fun beer in a movie. Fact, we record all of the episodes to a small handheld recorder because we're like a bedroom <laughs> pop indie lo-fi podcast. Yeah, the be, first be very high concept. The first indie lo-fi podcast. Has anybody done that? Somebody has to. Have Somebody done has that. to. Have. Yeah, uh, it would be fitting if that was what they talked about on their podcast. Anyway, yeah. um, so I brought a beer that I know that we've all had before, but it was such a monumentous occasion that I knew that it that it that it had to be done. So I, uh, we are returning uh, to our very good friends at Rebel Toad Brewing Company, and we are doing this because I am holding in my hand, hot dang, a can of Ooh. their Ab- Abracahabra IPA, and in a twelve ounce branded can, they, they they're very canning first retail now. cans, very first retail cans. Also, a genius name for a beer. Because you can always They've had tell it since the beginning. Too, yeah, right? it was one yeah. of the one of their first round of things. But you can always tell when you need to cut somebody off by their ability to pronounce the name of this beer. Oh, the drunker you get, the harder it gets. You've served, so that you know, longtime listeners I've will been remember. Needed to be cut off because I couldn't say it. <laughs> you know, the Abracahapra is one where if I find it at a local place on tap, yeah. I'll, I'll go to it almost first to a put a little doll, a few dollars. And assistance into a local brewery, which I really admires whole you know system and profitability. Yeah. But also because, and I haven't had it in the can like this yet, so we'll see if there's some kind of shift in quality. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoy this beer. They do a really good job and have, prior to now anyway, putting together a I very mean, straightforward it, they, IPA. They have this and a blonde that I feel like are their flagships, right? I mean, like, you can always... I feel like Angry Man, too. I feel like yeah, those are the true. three, As like, their porter, you're right. You the know. three. There's a, there's a triumvirate there yeah. that, uh, that exists. There but was a little bit of talk solid. about uh, highlighting a local brewery, and I think that we have a duty to do so, almost. And we've this will be the fifth of their beers that we've enjoyed. If you go back to that Smoky and Abandoned episode, which you should listen to if you haven't, that was our live episode. And we, of course, enjoyed their Black is Beautiful when we, when we did that one-off black is beautiful episode with another local brewery yeah yeah um so it's great to have this in the glass coming out of a can i can get it smells like a a fat ipa i love it yeah um this is merely days old i love that as fresh as love those fresh ipas so let's uh let's sip on this while we talk about this is a tough one because when we planned this episode, and we'll say this up front, we wanted to do the film Spiral, which came out just recently, right? If you're listening to the podcast as it releases, it came out just the prior Friday. And 
in doing that, we felt like we needed to pair it with the original Saw. We, we felt like, you know, this thing that seems to be... Going into it, I wasn't sure if it was a reboot or a continuation or, or what exactly it was going to be, but something that was definitely inspired and part of the franchise. In fact, the subtitle, the sub... Title from the, is from the Book of Saw. Yeah. So what are they doing here exactly? And I kept myself pretty spoiler free on this one. Yeah, other than seeing the trailer. Mm-hmm. I did see the trailer, so I, I, I knew how it tied in, at least in some of the conceptual stuff, but I didn't know how deeply it would connect. Anyway, but in thinking about doing this episode, we weren't sure, do we do Spiral first as the newer release? Because that's what we typically do. Right. We would typically sequence our, you know, pairing a film that we've seen in the past or we're revisiting or we think could be important to it. And we'll do that after and we'll we'll get to kind of compare the two. But with these films that are so deeply connected, right, part of the same franchise at this point, bookending the franchise. I mean, it will likely go on, but, you know, for the moment, um, it seems important to maybe talk about the first one in our first segment because... If we don't, I feel like we're going to be referring to the thing and talking about it the whole time, and it'll kind of spoil our own second half. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think that would definitely be- happen. I think we're breaking with tradition here, but I think for a good reason. So, this first half, while we're drinking the Abracahapra, we're going to be talking about Saw, the 2004 film directed by James Wan, written by Lee Wanell, um, who also co stars in the film, uh, along with Carrie Elways. Um, you probably, I mean, I think anybody listening to this podcast is probably familiar at least with the title, even if you haven't seen the film, but spawned a very successful franchise all around the concept of this killer named Jigsaw um, or the Jigsaw Killer. And uh, his whole uh, approach is that he doesn't directly kill his Victims. He doesn't Jason or Michael Myers you. No, he's not, you know, but he does stalk them. He plans this out meticulously and he, you know, knocks them out, usually, you know, chloroform or something, drags them into a scenario that he's concocted where they are given a choice. And it's a, usually a terrible choice, but there's a choice like you do something horrible to your body usually, cut off a limb, mm-hmm. break your teeth, you know, whatever it is, something that's going to be horribly painful and perhaps life altering in that it's going to disable you or whatever that but you do get to live but you'll get to live right right? and then then, so there are various scenarios he concocts all these kind of puzzle rooms that he creates you know we're we're in an era of escape rooms in in a sense this is like a film that presages the it seems like it's created or maybe they were around then and i just didn't know it yeah my daughter and her crew love escape rooms Mm. they go to them often yeah i've never uh, i've never done one right so So that's the basic premise. And in this film in particular, it kind of gives you the framing mechanism of these two particular individuals, um, one played by Lee Wanell, the other by Carrie Elways, who find themselves in this decrepit, what seems like it might have been some sort of washroom, locker room at some point. Um, Whatever it is, it's gross. Right. Terribly decrepit, right? Um, and they are trying to figure out the puzzle of their room, right? So that's the framing device. But as the film goes on through flashbacks, we're also seeing that um, at, at least one of the characters had some direct experience with this killer or this mode of killing. Police were investigating, thought he was implicated. So there, through flashbacks, we understand more and more that they are more deeply connected to the killer and the things surrounding the killer than we realize when we just see them waking up in the room at the beginning of the film. Um, and, and the film, as it plays out, we get to see, do they make it out or not? Yeah, in the room with them is a corpse. Right, a, right. The corpse is holding a handheld mini cassette recorder uh-huh. and uh, a hacksaw. 
is in the room as well. And a gun. Well, there, the, the corpse has a gun and the cassette the recorder. Because the corpse yes. may have just shot himself. We don't know yet. Right. Um, yeah. So, you, oh, you and Carrie Elwes is handcuffed, too. He well, can't get off. And the corpse did shoot him. I mean, that's... Well, no. That's I, what, well, I know, but I mean, come on. To, nobody they thought think, that. No, they think that. Yes, right. Yeah, we're we're all thought. That's yeah. part of that escape room that right. he set up, is yeah. that there is a corpse on the floor... Holding tools that they could use. And now there, but there's no way for them to inspect the body as we've, yeah. you know, they Joe's can getting into. Yes. These guys are chained to pipes across the room from each other. They can't even touch each other. They can't touch the corpse. Right. They're constantly having to use, like, taking off a shirt and whipping it to try to grab something that's further, like, the cassette recorder to bring it to them. So, there, I mean, it truly is like watching escape rooms. Now that, I, yeah, yeah. anyway, that, that we've brought that, uh, that yeah. concept in, uh, it makes, I think... For anybody who hasn't even seen the film, you kind of understand. Oh, you got to go through these series of almost, you know, puzzles and uh, little feats to be able to get out. Anyone that's listened to us through last October knows that we are horror fans. Now, this film came out in 2004, followed up two years later by Hostel 2006. And I feel like these two films and a couple of others that we could list were the framework of what was eventually called torture porn where the ad, yeah, this, this is the advent of right the where the highlight of the gore is close up slow builds like of, really, of bodies being yeah. mutilated like it's, we say it, just even the this the environments right these aren't like suburban houses this isn't the slasher film no. where you're seeing you know sexy vulnerable teenagers doing, yeah. and yeah right get yeah. It, getting hacked today this you're is like urban decay people dragged into the worst most decrepit yeah. sorts of like rundown industrial it's it's like a you know post capitalist wasteland yes. they're they're living in or some something out of nightmares and right the film i mean uh, embodies the nihilism of post capitalism as yeah, well uh, yeah yeah and i was going to say that i did see the first saw in theaters i saw the second saw in theaters if i saw the third saw they call that a seesaw i would have <laughs> i don't remember it and then i don't i did not keep up with the franchise no, until we watched I. spiral just i'm in the last, same boat okay. i i saw the first saw I might have seen one of the sequels partly, something on cable at some point. Didn't see another one until Saw Spiral just recently. And my desire to not stay with this franchise, and and I had to come to terms with this, you call yourself a horror film fan, is a departure personally from the torture porn type of exhibition. Yeah. It does not sit well with me the older I get. I'll just put that on the table at the very, very Hmm. beginning. But that doesn't mean that I didn't, we'll get into it, appreciate this original Saw. Sure. For what it was at least attempting to try to do, which was give you something very innovative, in my opinion. For the the time, sure. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Um, Also, I just realized that there's been a Saw VHS tape in here, our studio, the entire time. Actually, it was an Easter egg. I've been, I only joined this podcast. The entire time. (laughs) I only joined this podcast to get you to talk about this movie. Now it's over. This is our last episode. Uh, The cassette case is going to explode at the end of this. You now have 60 seconds to review this film, (laughs) to find a VCR. 20 (laughs) seconds after signing off. I know. I don't put your VCR. Incredible. Uh, Media weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason I love um, to have them, except for that, well, that Super we, Slams. But, how, do we, how do we dive into this guy? I mean, how do we dive into this? We, we certainly dove well, into so Freddy. I, I think where you di- started, Joe, what, yeah. you saw this film in 2004, oh, yeah. right? Huh? At the theater. I saw this film. Initial reactions, Carlos, your first time seeing it, I'm sure, was before you've seen it. 
This I have seen it before, time. yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it when it came out because no. I was 11. Probably like 2010-ish. No, I was 12, actually. Um, I probably saw it in high school, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sleepover. Just because I remember it being a thing uh, at the time of its release. And I, I probably had friends with older siblings who had snuck in DVDs or tapes yeah. or whatever of it. Right. Um, and you were of age to for the sequels to be coming out. Hitting you in so, high school, college. Yeah, yeah. So that that was what, where I was getting was that, you know, the phenomenon of the franchise was a thing. And I never really bought into the sequels or anything. They never interested me. But I always remember having some kind of reverence for the first. And I, I always felt like, and I still do feel like, a spoiler alert, that it was a really good movie that did really well and then was needlessly franchised. Uh, I remember why, maybe it was Saw 3D that came out like on Halloween, but there was a Saw that came out on Halloween. It was like a big deal, you yeah. know? Um, it was Halloween fell on Friday. Uh, so... I don't know exactly where I was going with that. Um, I don't think I ever saw any of them in theaters. Though. Okay, the Spiral will have. I been definitely the first saw the I saw original in, in the theater. Um, I, saw, I saw it in the theater. I remember feeling that I was seeing a new right. twist in the horror genre. Now, not totally unprecedented, right? I mean, a lot of people at the time, I think, act, uh, appropriately so, and I think it actually will connect with what we're going to talk about in the second half too. Reference the film Seven as being an important precursor to what you saw going on and saw. Now it goes, I don't think it goes as far with some of the stuff Seven as or Saw, saw does. Yeah. It goes as far with what stuff? The visual. I also, I also feel like Shamalama Ding Dong was a precursor to this as well. To, the, to some extent. The idea yeah. of the twist. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The, I think there's some of that too. That, that I guess know. more in its execution than its theme. Seven is more of like a nihilist I killer. I think visually, ca- you know, like the yeah. washed out kind of blue grade, you know, look of it. At some the, point, don't we, f- we have to talk about everything. how early 2000s this is aesthetically. Yeah. Sure. In well, a, that's kind of what I'm connecting way, it. Yeah. Maybe even connected to the 90s in a certain sense. If you think about, like I, I say, like I think visually you wouldn't have had this film if you didn't have Seven be yeah. what it had been in the late 90s. Yeah. That's. I don't think I've seen it since I saw it the first time. So saw. Yeah, saw. So now see saw. So now, <laughs> uh, how many years later? Eleven. Yeah. No. No. Seventeen. No. Yeah. Uh, wow. Do some math for me. Um, that's right. No, Seventeen. I can still appreciate the puzzle pieces of this film mm-hmm. the way that we learn that both characters know a little bit more about the situation than you would then think at the very the very show. beginning yeah, right. but how the puzzle is unraveled the grabbing of the of the bullet and hiding it the grabbing of the photos uh, finding the photos yeah, and hiding the them note. turning they, off the yeah. lights so that you can see the glow in the dark paint and then, they show you that there's more in that bag too like it's a kind of quick overhead shot yeah. when he's taking the saws out of it yeah but you see another little ziploc yeah. bag in there and you're like what is that yeah. and, right. he, and you can see him kind of scrambling to put yeah. it yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a it's a clever little film and how it's constructed and that it especially this first one and again not having seen the other ones i don't know if there were a lot of these partner scenario ones it seems like 
gets to like groups later. It gets to actual. Groups? Oh, they have like, like multiple. escape room oh, shit at a certain. Okay, point, well that makes know? sense. But I do appreciate this screenplay. I appreciate the way it unfolds. I appreciate the what the audience knows and doesn't know and how it all unfolds. I appreciate the idea that we are given the face of who we are to assume is the killer. Yeah, and it turns out that that is a red herring. And then ultimately, the final twist at the very end is done really, really well. And mm-hmm. so, from and I, I don't think I think that like with Jason Freddy at all that you have to amplify and bring more of what was such a success. Mm-hmm. I think you can overdo that in all of the franchises that I just listed. And from what I understand, doing some reading about the ranking of the Saw movies in anticipation of Spiral, that they kind of might have went the same direction more, 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 to the point yeah. to where it's overinflated and collapses on itself. Okay. But this first film is delightfully simple, <laughs> for where I, think, I love, I would have never used delightfully to describe uh, yeah. this film, yeah, well, but I love, I love that you have. Sure, it's great, especially given where we're going in the second half yeah. of the film, where they've had this many years to kind of yeah. rethink, retweak, yeah. amp up some of the gore. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, part of what made this film so impressive at the time, again, for me, was yes, visually it stood out. Again, even if it was, it seemed like it was building off of something that I had seen before, but bringing it more into the horror genre more squarely, um, giving us, uh, you know, more of this kind of puzzle aspect throughout the film, even with the way the story's being told. It's good screenwriting. I mean, I, I think Lee Wanell, who who wrote this, and he also worked on some of the sequels, and, and we've he's gone on about- to do other. Things well, that we about liked. on the podcast where we did both uh, his film The Invisible Man most and recently and Upgrade before that. Upgrade his first, much better than The Invisible his, Man. Actually, I guess second and third film as director because he did one of the Insidious series, which is another which he also franchise created. that he created. Yeah. So this guy's, you know, I give big props to Lee Wanell and seeing this film reminds me this dude was very, uh, listen how bro I sound here, but th- this dude is very, very cunning and at an early stage of his career, knew what he had at his disposal to make this kind of film and knocked it out of the park, I think, with the resources that he had. You know what I I'm mean, saying? I mean, yeah, let's talk for it. Let's just mention that the budget for this movie was $1.2 million. And I also think this is the film that kind of made Lionsgate a powerhouse distribution studio. That might be. I, I think I this was like really it. one of their first big I'm, hits. I know it was um, one of their big hits for I, sure. Uh, yeah, I could be wrong about that. Because it went but, on to gross over a hundred. Yeah, so it's a nice return. Ten, it a hundred well, times. One of those classic. It, it fits in with you know like the Blair Witch yeah. and the Paranormal Activity and these other films that you know small horror budget, is yeah. notoriously pretty much the genre that with a lot of chutzpah and. Not that much cash and word of mouth. You can maybe get something done that can, can make actually a lot of money. blow up to yeah. a huge scale. I mean, Potentially. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, we could go way back and, and talk about how this has been. <laughs> Everything you've listed, the sequels eventually begin to deliver diminishing returns. Yeah, how, how, how single one is another. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is such an interesting phenomenon in the horror genre, and I feel like probably someday we'll have to do just a full-on episode talking about horror franchises and. 
looking at them comparatively and thinking about, because there are certain ones that seem to have been able to resuscitate themselves enough times and feel, I mean, we've talked about already Friday the 13th and Nightmare Halloween. Halloween. did a pretty good job at bringing itself back to life, which we'll talk about again later later this year. Later this year. And I know that wasn't unanimous and we'll see how people feel. Sorry, Josh. But I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent. There are a couple of problems I've got with the film Mm -hmm. that seem... I'm interested in what they are. Academic. I don't like uh, the choice of actress for the wife at all. She is Monica Potter. She Mm -hmm. is completely distracting in almost every single scene that she has. Hmm. Uh, I understand that to create... Okay, so we failed to mention that almost every single one of Jigsaw's puzzles has a time element to it. And as the time approaches that you have to have... And in this case, Carrie Elwes was uh, had to kill his roommate, mm. uh, played by Lee Wanell, uh, by six by p.m. 6 and then he would be let free. Now, of course, he is handcuffed to a thing; Pipe, yeah. uh, his leg is. So the only real way for him to achieve freedom as six o'clock, I think, not only approaches but passes, is with that hacksaw, which is too dull to cut through metal as it is intended is to cut his own fucking foot off. And if I haven't discussed it on the show, I have a problem, like a personal problem, like I will have a panic attack and pass out, and it's happened twice, when bones are involved. The crushing, the manipulation, the (laughs) of bones. And so I I had to avert my eyes for what I knew was coming, because I'd seen the film before, but as when, when the... Hacksaw punctures skin, and you see a quick shot of that. It doesn't show the. Yeah. It just goes. It goes too gory. But it leads to the imagination. But it's this realistic bone gore that is my. Yeah. I I understand. I mean, I have I have those pressure points too. It's not a pleasant thing for me, though. I do appreciate the effect it achieves, and when it's narratively driven i mean and it is i mean the concept is you have somebody this is a thing that somebody could do and his and and his family is in real peril his family is in peril it's not a fake threat this is not an experiment that this may not be happening he gets phone calls there's a cell phone involved and he's known for i mean this option has been on the table for hours yeah and so it happens due to a desperation a pushing the character over the edge and that is well, he's the just narratively... heard his family perhaps being killed and well, you know, yeah well, that's what i'm saying is yeah. it's not like just a thing that pops up and then the character makes this decision in a way where you're like okay i feel like there are other ex- options to yeah. be exhausted before we get to this point but no the options are exhausted and so while it is you know seemingly extraordinary and uh improbable likely you know but it is still it brings it to a point of believability where you can narratively go there with the film and be like okay yeah it makes sense why he's doing i'm fully on board with anybody who says he would have cut like an inch in and he would have passed out because that would have happened to me i'm sure like anybody who claims that's what a normal human would do i totally believe that because i like to believe i'm a normal human and i think i would pass the fuck out if i started well the first time i encountered my little panic attack pass out situation with this was when the dude from 187 (laughs) hours the 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 guy in utah right the real guy was on letterman 
right. and began kind of painstakingly talking about how he had to cut off his own hand with a, I think, a Swiss Army knife or something. Yeah. And I got up, went to the kitchen, fell to the floor, was still conscious, but I was like, what the hell just happened? Then it happened again on a commuter bus when I was reading a Stephen King story. Oh they got into a... So it's a pressure point. Uh, it's a pressure yeah. point for me, and I had to look away. Now, um, that said, once he cuts his foot off, and has a tourniquet on and then has to kill the yeah. guy. And Things turn out great. We're getting into spoilers. <laughs> no, he, no, he does not kill the guy because the guy, uh, Jigsaw, uh, let's get to the end, right? Well, he the, thinks he's killed the guy. He, he or, or or we think we think he's killed the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out that the corpse in the middle of the room is Jigsaw the entire time. How he right. laid there motionless and not breathing, it's un- <laughs> it's unknown, but okay. That that is pro- that is one I of the I think a doctor would have uh, noticed that his chest was rising and falling. Well, there you go. Yes. But, uh then I, I am, there's he's covered in blood and stuff and yeah. like there's other more pressing things going but, on yeah, and they can't me. get close enough to inspect i think yeah. i think so as he, I'll, I'll buy it as he crawls off attempting to save his wife right. with foot, footless now one foot uh and then jigsaw springs to life and lets lee wanell know the game is over and shuts the door for him to rot their shot yeah you are left with no you know, Jamie Curtis isn't crying, but knowing that at least the threat is over. Like, oh no, they're, they're, the yeah, threat is, is a, not yeah. over at all. And then the other th- problem I have with this, and I know that it's a that's a problem for you. Critical part of this film and horror films is the cunning, always one step ahead of Jigsaw, and the elaboration that these things have to have for them to uh, occur. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta just go with it. You just you gotta, you gotta. You're gir- talking you, about you gotta the. It. You're talking about the uh, unlikelihood that somebody, even as that all the pieces could as come thorough together. as Jigsaw, could account for all of the like undeterminable variables of human behavior. Well, there were time triggers, and there were uh, uh, phones that needed to be delivered and be working. But the guy who yeah. would be doing all of the work is pretending to be dead in the middle of the room. Well, but he's not doing all the work. He got he the, said the other guy. Uh, yeah. What's it from Lost? Zed, yeah. 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 his name. Zed. It, it uh, and in the second... One of those two. In yeah. the second half of the film, I may bring this up again. It's so just, he has... That yeah. guy is Zed. just smarter than everyone in the room, but anyway... I mean, well, I don't know. yeah. I so mean, makes he's it work. clearly you got to buy into the idea that this guy is some kind of criminally mastermind, yeah. like you know, which again, like it's like a superhero film. It's like you know the the supervillain with the criminal, uh, you know, genius right. mind that can just. And All the right. cops are dealing with something they never had to deal with before, yeah. so maybe that uh, helps him out. I mean, I, if, if anything, I kind of appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> if anything, I kind of appreciate that they don't lean on anything overtly supernatural with this franchise. Like, yeah. you know, with no. the Friday Other the Thirteenth, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, like. Well, some of them right out of the gate, but you know, yeah. Friday the Thirteenth eventually got there. They bring in the supernatural to to allow that killer to continue on and to be the thing. Not even just with the killer. They go full telekinetic Tina in part seven. They (laughs) introduce a a protagonist with supernatural powers. Right, right. So as far as I know, Saw hasn't really done that uh, in the franchise. And so I I can appreciate that. But I hear you, Joe. I mean, to me, the reason why I didn't follow up with the sequels, I was impressed with the first. I kind of felt like... Where are we going? No matter what, you're going to repeat the formula. Yeah. And I don't know that I need that formula again. I'm impressed that you pulled it off. I think it it was a great experience. I got a visceral gut reaction. 
that kind of charge of a thrill ride horror movie yeah. that I want to get. That was enough. I, di- I didn't need to go back. Now, watching it again, I appreciate it still. I think what's there is good. It didn't necessarily inspire me to think I need to go and watch yeah. the rest of the... What universe have they created? Yeah. It's also... This this film also benefits in where the sequels probably fall off is that there's uh, so much that hasn't been established yet. And it's really well written in a way where we're cutting back and forth from what's happening in the room to getting backstory about about Danny Glover and the villain from Rush Hour. Right, we haven't even talked the about the Danny Glover. Danny Glover's fucking awful I in this movie. I forgot he was in it. He is... Rewatching he, it. He is... If there's something in this movie that I would change or fix, I would be able to recast. You'd him. get rid of Danny Glover. I think he's bad and pretty bad in this movie. Uh, oh, I kind of like it. He's just too over the top. But uh, I, but I, I, in I, a way I, I turned I, to Aaron and like immediately said, "How does it feel to be watching a guy who just, I think it was 15 years before, was throwing out the line, 'I'm too old for this shit.' I'm too old and for he's, this shit. And, and now he, he is literally like the, is too old. A, a cop I mean, again. I just started. I haven't finished it because I've, I've just been watching it in pieces. But I started watching. Predator 2 where he's in it playing a similar character and where he literally says to his like captain or mm-hmm. commissioner uh he's like oh he, he says like so what you're telling me is that you're gonna chop my dick off and shove it up my own ass or something like that like basically saying wow. why aren't you <laughs> why, why, why aren't you gonna let me be involved in this investigation and and he, I mean, in that one, it's so over the top and the lines of di- dialogue they give him are so crazy mm-hmm. and it's a fucking Predator movie, which I guess Saw isn't that far removed in terms of extravagance. Yeah. But I don't know. I just felt like he was a guy who was beaten down and like, you know, whatever. And I just didn't, I wasn't buying it from him. I, really? I, I was getting too much like, oh, this jigsaw guy, you know, doing the low kind of voice yeah. where he's just doing this all the time. And it's like, they obviously had to ADR it because nobody on set could probably hear a fucking thing he was saying the he's entire brooding. time. He's a moody yeah. interesting. Yeah. It just wasn't really working for me. I think the rest though, I mean, you have an idea who you would put in his place? No, I haven't thought that okay. hard about it because okay. I don't dislike him enough to really care all that much because yeah. the movie still works for me. And okay. I think, and I think the thing that makes this movie tick and makes it really work so well, but that also hinders it from being elevated to like true classic status, is that everything works. It's well written. All the pieces fit together, and it's pretty well executed. But it doesn't really have like a ton to say. You know, it does a little bit. I think, but, oh, I uh, don't know. I, I give it, I but hear, it's, but it's very, it's a nihilistic viewpoint. Incredibly. It's, everybody, it's basically everybody is terrible. The the yeah. message of Saw is everybody, you can dig up something that they've done. And never has to atone for their sins. Like well, everyone's terrible. A lot of people atone. And it's not dull on. In life, everyone's terrible, and it, you never have to atone for it. Jigsaw so is, is yeah, making you atone for. Which actually, that angle, I hadn't thought about it until you said it in those words just now. This everyone has something that you can dig up is you know a pretty pertinent sentiment for the current. You know, <laughs> I, and I have thought of climate, that when I was saying know? it, no, and, yeah. and interestingly. Um, Cutting, so aged well. Who knew? Yeah, cutting off one's dick and shoving it up their own ass That's was Predator one of two. the game puzzles in Saw Four. <laughs> oh I believe. yeah, they 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 dug I into D- Danny Glover's ouvroir to bring it back around. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. but it's a terrible. You know. Th- oh, but that but, said, but what I was saying about it, the thing that this movie benefits from is that lack of backstory like this is giving us the backstory whereas in the future when you move forward yeah. the movie is the games like you right. don't have the 
as you much know what to, Jigsaw yes, is. Yes. You know what the, you, the yeah, so, final so destination. We want more and more elaborate death scenes. Yeah, well, yeah. Now we want more and more elaborate games. What, yeah. what other games Which were there in this Which isn't as exciting or interesting. Behind the guy that had no. to crawl out of the Constantine razor wire yeah. in order to... They had to bloodlet himself in order yeah. to escape and eventually doesn't, doesn't. Were there, were there other games or was it just these two? In the original? In the original. There was that. Um, yeah, there's the there girl the, that had to get the key out of it. Yes, the safe. With the, the, guy's the combination. Uh, with the thing that's going to explode out. your head. And I did see, and, I did read, uh, and I know we have listeners who are like, yeah, of course. But she becomes a more important character in the subsequent films, I believe, like even a oh, collaborator. Okay. Because she's the lone survivor. Right. right. Oh, and she like thanks him, too, because I think she got because off drugs or Because he made her appreciate life again. Yeah, and he, yeah. That, that yeah. makes sense that she would come back around again. There, Yeah, but then there was also the safe where the guy's covered in like some incredibly flammable oh, the flammable thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy looked a lot like... Um, uh, the guy who played, uh, oh, he was in uh, the original Roseanne show as the boyfriend of, as Becky's boyfriend, mm. the kind of like leather jacket wearing yeah. broody boy. Like, I thought it was the same oh, actor, yeah. but it wasn't. Um, so in subsequent films, your gore hounds, your horror fans are going to seek out more and more and more elaborate yeah. kills. The same way we do with Friday the 13th, the same way we do with all of our favorite franchises. The problem is, though, that that audience becomes more and more fringe. So you're never going to get back to the success of this one because the success of this one excites general audiences because it's gory and fucked up and stuff but when that's all that there is is the gory fucked up stuff then general audiences are not going to stick around for that like almost all of us in mm-hmm. this room i think and eh, and most of the people we probably yeah. watched it with at some point turn well, away from saw you know, right because because you're like i can't really look at this really it's too gory want, but. like extreme gore or like pushing taboos and stuff like that you can find worse than this and i'm not yeah. i'm rarely seeking that out i definitely went through a phase Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was younger, where I felt like yeah, I needed too. to see and like ch- challenge myself, like can I? And what are, what is somebody doing when they create scenes that evoke these kind of yeah. feelings? You well, know, we talked about that with our Friday the Thirteenth discussion. The arrow through the throat. Oh my god, that was fantastic! It's it like was... with music. There's certain music I have that's almost like endurance music. I want sometimes just something that pushes to an edge of almost unlistenability. Just so I can experience that feeling of what, like Merzbauer. How far can I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know Absolutely. if you have any Merzbauer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. He's released on vinyl, like two hundred, but he has. Yeah, pushing <laughs> anyway, to the yeah, edge. Yeah, I don't of... want to dip down too much of a rabbit hole, but I think to that end, occasionally I will dip into one of these films that I'm hearing get some, but you know, like a Hostel comes out, this comes out, and I will check it out and I'll remind myself, do I like this? And sometimes I'll be impressed. In this case, that was one of those times where I said. Man, that was good storytelling. They used this as an opportunity to put themselves out there as thinking filmmakers um, who could really tell interesting stories and create interesting characters. And like you said, Joe, earlier, seeing how all those pieces fit together and how these people relate to one another, it's pretty... And and how it's unfolded for us. Pretty clever, yeah. Enjoying watching it. And and so there's a joy, there's a pleasure that comes out of that. It is delightful in a certain sense. In a morose way. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, um, but is this can of abracahapra that we've been generously sipping from throughout the uh, first half, does it have the kind of delight for our mouths that this film might have for our narrative sensibilities? You mentioned it already. We have all three had this beer probably many times, if we want to be honest. Many locations, many, many venues. locations, on draft, at the brewery. Uh, but this, oops, but this can... 
the first thing I was curious about, I picked up the can to look at it, is do they list, like we see on many other cans and bottles that we enjoy on the show, the hops that they used? They did not, which okay. is fine. There's no points off for that. I would like to have just know out of curiosity. We talked last week about how the hazy IPAs will tend to use a more floral hop, while yeah. the more traditional IPAs, the first round of IPAs, are a more piney or grassy hop, and they went for the latter with this one. I think... And I'm glad to say that this can delivers everything I want, and I can't wait to get my hands on some to have it at home. I mean, for me, the the hot profile that they go for with this is definitely an earthier, reminds me more of a West Coast kind of approach to the IPA, a little more bitter, you know, that bitterness is more forward there. It's kind of a throwback at this point, and it kind of was when it came out, but it's a throwback that they execute well, and that's always satisfying. It's like having a Sierra Nevada. You know, I put this very much in kind of a similar territory where if those are my options, I'm very happy. And, you know, it may be that those are my only good options in a lot of places, but they are good options. Yeah, it's, I mean, as you guys know, the more traditional style IPA is not my favorite. It's not my go-to, but this is a version of that that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and will very gladly drink and enjoy and i think they do this one really well um i know from my time bartending at the toad it is a very popular uh offering that they have yeah um to joe's point about the hops and all that kind of stuff not being a point off not listening on the can or whatever i agree that it's neither here nor there really but i would like a canning date yeah yeah that, I, I don't know if w- maybe one of the six has it that come in a pack or something oh, but the two that we i we haven't have, inspected have further that, but the yeah. two that we are holding uh do not have a canning date on it um, but again no points off really because they're just getting started with this enterprise and yeah, i know that they're yeah. gonna take it in a positive direction for sure I, if, i don't know how if, many they're getting out there if these are pretty small runs they're doing yeah, that if i mean did you see the cooler no, I didn't pretty, make it in. It was a pretty big cooler that was like full of cans. And they must have done wonderful ten or twelve cases. And are wonderful. they doing any of it retail and HEB? Uh, I don't know All actually. Right, well, well you sure. will likely not get your hands on this unless you're visiting our area. That's yeah. Even so, if here's it gets what you do stores, this week: yeah. you don't take our recommendation because you probably can't find it unless you live near us. You go find your favorite local brewery and go buy some of their cans oh, because that's what this enterprise today is all about. It's just the notion of yeah. reveling and enjoying your well, local scene and, and lifting it up anytime you can. And Absolutely. it is interesting how long, like, Lorelei has been doing cans for a long time. They were first yeah. to the game, I believe. They, no, absolutely. they were. But also, it's been like, what, four or five years that they've been doing that? And Rebel Toad's only three. like the second. Yeah. Yeah, our breweries so here, big, you know, they've been comfortable the, with the... There's probably a big capital investment there, so... I, think I, would, I would imagine that it's not cheap. There's a lot of competition in that marketplace now. We that know, right? Yeah. I mean, we see new breweries coming into our market all the time. All but the you time. can't pierce the outer walls of your own distribution area in your city until you go this route. You have to be able to have a product that yeah. you can deliver to San Antonio and then maybe Houston. And then, you know, as yeah. you try to expand that, that diameter mm-hmm. of your reach, radius, rather, yeah. of your reach... And in Corpus Christi, you have a problem because half of your radius, your diameter is, is in water and you really can't go that direction. Well, so that's true. Yeah. Being on the coast. Just a shitty, shitty joke. I'll leave it in. <laughs> take my that's punishment fine. for it. So, yeah. But, but, you know, I think a good pairing here where, yeah. you know, we go back to a film that we all thought was kind of a solid, reliable entry into this 
well, I guess, initiator of this horror subgenre in, in some ways. Yeah, it was reliable enough for me to buy the VHS tape. There so you know. <laughs> 14, 15 years later, it only makes sense. Bring in Chris Rock. Well, that's <laughs> exactly, the obvious choice. exactly the obvious choice we're going to be talking about in the second half. Sure are, and um, Get, getting into a second half that everybody knows because we we really set everything up in in the first half. Um, even talked about how maybe our second half could have been our first half, but we need to get our glasses filled. It's just it's just a rule, and we like to follow the rules when we're playing these games, right, gentlemen? Um, we better, <laughs> or else we're going to have a lot of worry. And that's exactly why... I want to go home with all of my limbs. I brought for this second half something that would, that would take these worries away. I mean, this is high stakes we're dealing with in this episode. And so to take down the anxiety level just a little bit, I brought some of uh, a, a brewery that we've had before. We're going to revisit here today um, called Sun Lab. They're out of Florida. We, we've enjoyed what we've had in the past. This is a little something different from them. This is called Worries Vanish. It is an American sour ale with blackberries, almonds, graham crackers, cinnamon, vanilla extract, and lactose. That was a lot of ingredients, folks. It is 5.7% alcohol by volume. And, uh, and as with the beers we've had in the past, they can and brew this in South Carolina, even though it is a brewery based out of Florida. We had Sun Labs blackout days back when we discussed the host there you so go. horror and Sun Lab seems to be a little trend for us. I guess so. Apparently, there was another movie called The Host that came out in 2020, and it's about like it's like a horror movie, and I guess has something to do with like it's a the title is a reference to someone who hosts a Zoom conference. Uh, <laughs> that makes funny. sense. Makes I, sense. I and if you consider did not and will not, if you consider yeah. dementia a horror. And many, many do. Then we also enjoyed some lab when we discussed The Father. That's right. That yeah, was it was their, a sort of horror film. Yeah, that was their contemplate. That was an IPA. So I we've kind of done, oh, yeah. this will be our third style from Sun Labs. I'm super excited. Should be interesting. Um, so as, obviously, we've hmm. mentioned it, it's in the title, and what on earth else would we be doing? Uh, we're talking about Spiral. Uh, this is a 2021 release, and it is... Uh, the full title is Spiral colon from the Book of Saw, uh, which I don't think is a necessary uh, subtitle to the film. You don't, uh, you don't think they needed to do that? What's the point? From the Book of Saw? What does that even mean? <laughs> um, but basically, this is a film. Um, a uh, It's a film about a detective, uh, Zeke, who is played by Chris Rock, who has I will not do any more impersonations. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> who has uh, in his career uh, turned in 
crooked a crooked cop and has been his partner his partner who and he has been punished for by his colleagues for the last 12 years um and so we find him at a time where his captain believes that he needs to learn how to work with other people and all that kind of cement these relationships with his colleagues i guess and so she's giving him a partner and the first case that he is assigned with his rookie detective partner um Played by Max Mingella, is that how you? I thought uh, Mingala. Mingala. Yeah. Um, I, I. There was no way to be certain. Um, is she says Captain Angie Garza, played by Marisol Nichols, uh, <clears throat> was a homeless guy got hit by the three train or something like that, and then they right. go there. They think. They think. Only yeah. Only to find. Well, she seems pretty confident. She didn't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> a homeless it. man got well because yeah. homeless people get hit in the train. Yeah, tunnels and, occasionally. And, and then yeah. the guy's got a wedding ring and a Fitbit and a nice shirt on. And right. then, so then we find out that there is a jigsaw copycat killer uh, who, at once the second body turns up. It is realized that he is well. He sent, cops. he starts sending tapes to sending the tapes to, to yeah. uh, Zeke. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. The thumb drives. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. the videos. Yeah, the videos. Um, so yeah, it's about Chris Rock and his rookie de- detective partner trying to solve this case while at the same time everybody in, being against him in it's the a, precinct you know, against him. They're against him. They don't want to work with him. They're they don't respond they're, to they're, backup they're, calls. They, yeah, that was in the past. But in the in the in terms of this particular like of the current investigation, they're doing their own investigating with not telling information. withholding information. Yeah. Like he's he's point on it. And so like, you know, you're supposed to tell yeah. the person in charge of your investigation that you have a lead and they don't. And um, things happen to them as a result, but mm-hmm. um, so that's the whole thing. And really, the movie Samuel L. Jackson plays Marcus Banks, uh, Chris Rock, uh, His Chris father. Rock's father, who was the captain, a legendary captain at one point. Chief and Gates. She, uh, is it Gates? Banks. 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 Sorry. Um, so the whole movie is. Uh, who is this? Uh, why are they doing this? Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's a copycat, but why are they targeting cops? Uh, and Kill dirty Bell, cops. It's always di- pointing out. Yeah, the, dirty yeah, cops, yeah, yeah, pointing yeah. out the things that they've done. But why are they doing that? Um, ah, what was the Jigsaw Killer's like name in the film? Anyway, uh, Tobin Bell, the Jigsaw Killer, in his lore and the preaching he did to his disciples never had anything to do with structures of power or anything no. like that. And so it's a new angle, and they're trying to figure it out. And... Who gives a fuck about this movie? This movie was bad. Did yeah. you did you hate it? I didn't hate it, but it was just like, what the for real? Like huh. it was like student film level writing, like the entire way through. Uh, like it starts. This is where I. It's, okay. It started off, and I was like, "Oh, this is what we're doing." And it started off with Chris Rock in his captain's office, like, "I don't need a partner. You're gonna stick me with well, some rook." Now, and now like, the opening, this the opening is kind of dialogue. The opening is crazy, and they never quite return to it or explain. Like, there's no reason for somebody like him to go rogue deep cover with some yeah. sort of like the entire scenario because it opens up with like, this kind like of Ocean's hotel Eleven heist thing heist. going on <laughs> where he is see I embedded to- I forgot as, about that okay but straight that, up well, you get it you know I remember some of the small details and that one really threw me off a bit at the beginning I I because I felt like I got off on the wrong foot with this film with yeah. that setup where I'm like what is he is he one of the crazy is he a crazy rogue cop who's you know going over there but then his his chief kind of seems okay with it. And like, who would possibly be okay with what, what yeah. had just gone down there? That That's insane. 
Um, how do you account for your whereabouts when you're supposed to be at well, work and, and you're doing that? How can you that? just decide to go deep cover and your yeah. department doesn't even like you can't do that? That's not a thing. <laughs> Logistically, I find it unlikely that and, he would and be I know able I'm not to a pull rules that guy, off. But that's just like a, we're setting this in a somewhat real world scenario, and that one doesn't quite pass the <laughs> yeah. sniff test. But honestly, once it got past that and and the story about oh no, the department isn't against him because he's a rogue cop. The department is against him because he's actually the only he's a seemingly ethical cop in the mid of all of these people in the department Which maybe even, other than, even he's kind of yeah you no. know he doesn't care about warrants and you know things like that well that's he kind true of just does but that's every cop and every movie. i mean sure, yeah. yeah i mean we talked about this with prisoners a few episodes back like it's funny how much i wasn't attuned to it before but the more we've talked just generally about policing and, and the ways that like when i see films like this it does stand out to me like wow, we give a lot of latitude p- to police in film. We just let them burst into any apartment they decide to because we know they're, you know, on the trail and they have to find It's like... Greater good. Yeah, anyway. So I, I hear where you're coming from, but I didn't hate this film. I, I actually... Hate you hated it? I did not hate it. Oh, okay. I, I will never seek it out again. And if well, like the Spiral 2, yeah. Book of Saw 4 comes out, I unless we decide to see it, I'm probably done with the franchise. So, yeah, what we were saying earlier about I wasn't compelled to see this because it was a Saw film. I was compelled to see this because it was a Chris Rock, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson Saw film. That's, that <laughs> is the only reason I, I gave, paid any attention and to so it. And so I wanted to see Rock. what would these guys, how would they set it? What would they do? And honestly, I was I came out of it better than I thought I would in a, in a certain sense that... As much as I had those problems with the way that we're just forgiving of Chris Rock and his transgressions in in certain ways with his character, generally the message of the film is police are corrupt as F. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. You know, and there's no way to root this. And even this guy who's operating, when eventually we find out his motives and all that, you know, there's a reason and it's it's very personal. It's not so much about a system. It's it's kind of about personal revenge in, in in a certain sense. Um, you know, it may weaken that a little bit, but it is, I think, in a time where, you know, they, I don't think they were predicting that we were going to go through what we did last year as this film was supposed to be released kind of right on the heels of, That's fair. but it felt very kind of timely in a certain sense, even though it doesn't get into any of the issues of the kind of systemic biases that, you know, it just paints cops as just across the board corrupt and they'll turn on anybody not who's not a cop based on nothing beyond them just not being a cop you know the screenwriting student in me as i was sitting there watching it <clears throat> assumed and figured that we would learn who the identity of the killer is we know that jigsaw is dead it's not going to be that twist unless they really thank goodness they didn't do it some they kind didn't of that would, horrible that would have been bad so we'll get to who the killer is in a second, but we've got to talk about the puzzle games, and it begins with the a pretty fucked up one with the one where the tongue, and, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the guy is suspended, the one where it ends up being a train tunnel, death. right? Yeah. yeah, it was a police officer whose tongue is been pulled out of his mouth and clamped Put down, clamp, and yeah. so you can live if you jump off of the little stool that you're barely standing on anyway before the train the subway train comes around the bend and 
kills it will tear you. your tongue. Like, if but you when jump, you jump down, you will lose your tongue. Right. I mean, I think the tape says the only way to cut your tongue off is to use your body weight. And so yeah. you kick the stool, you'll fall, Drop your down. tongue will come out. You can't tell any lies anymore. Anatomically, I think they kind of fucked that up. The contraption, and they were trying to make it so that you could see his chin underneath it, but the contraption was so big that he had this like really fucking insanely huge face. Yeah. Uh, if you really thought about like what you yeah. could see of him and all that kind know. of stuff, and his tongue is apparently 15 feet long. And, right. Uh, it was kind of silly, but uh, but it was also kind of horrifying as I even just the resting place he's in is like this has to be the most painful thing a human like you could I, I cannot get myself to oh, fathom I, the level of pain of having razor blades on the side on both the top and bottom of my tongue. Yeah, I mean that that sounds horrifying. Terrible. I get, Another one leaps to mind where a guy's got metal. Uh, what do they call those they Chinese finger, finger cuffs? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, probably a like like metal those. mesh over his fingers that locks on the more. And if the water rises before you. He's got to tear his fingers fingers off. That uh, that that winches will tear your fingers off. He has to bite the contraption to activate the thing to pull his fingers off, so he can get out before he's electrocuted. It's like with your will, he doesn't hesitate to turn a machine on that's going to rip. Tongue guy hesitates. This guy does not. He hesitates a little bit. He hesitates once it stops stops briefly, and that's what does him in. You know what I mean? He couldn't commit to it. Once he needed to stay off, like one finger pulls fingers beginning to be pulled off. Guess what? Guys, I was looking down into my popcorn. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I, I, I you know, they yeah. win. Uh, yeah. I, I looked away. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a couple others. That the climax, Samuel Jackson, the father, is suspended in a very sophisticated wire system. Yeah. With someone's pulling the strings. Yeah. Wh- who, and he's been bloodlet oh, to the point to where if he, uh, oh, it was, yeah, there was, there was, there's some handiness there were, in there. There's a lot of There's handiness. a little bit of comedy in here, I think, intentionally so. But the killer, before we get to who that was, has got to be a wealthy individual in order yes, to very. manufacture these yeah. stunts and rent out the rooms that they happen in. I think and it probably you could do rent a Kickstarter out, but... for just about anything these days. <laughs> yeah. And if you were like, here's what I, I want to do. I saw my father murdered when I was a child. I want to systematically revenge kill yeah. everybody in this police department. Would you please kick in twenty dollars? I'll put your name on the. Yeah. I'll put I'll put your name on up. Uh, I'll I'll engrave your name on each pair of handcuffs used to confine. Yeah. Or 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 maybe on the padlocks. Now before we get to who the killer is, this is another thing. Another reason that I didn't quite find this to be that interesting of a film is because. Uh, so Darren Lynn Boosman directed this, uh, and. I know that he was the he director two of four. two through four. He also did Repo the Genetic Opera, uh, oh. which was produced by the same people that produced Saw, and that one is very cult classic territory. People, the people that love that movie, love that movie. Um, Are you one of those people? I've, I've, never, seen I've, that. I've never seen it, yeah. but it, it was a massive financial failure. Um, anyway, I if you told me that. This was directed by a first-year film student. I'd probably be like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Because there are so many 
painfully obvious attempts to linger on a certain character for a certain amount of time when something when someone says something about the case to call into question is it this person and they're it's so ham-fisted the way that they are trying to get you to think that certain characters might be the killer well you know someone that you've met is the killer it has to be and yeah but i but there are certain people that they're trying to point you to so hard that i'm like okay i know who it's not and after all the time you spent trying to convince me that it is them, I don't at this point really give a shit about who it is unless it's somebody really outside the box that I never would have expected. Like maybe Chris Rock. If it Doing if it, it was himself, Chris Rock, yeah. that would have been crazy. That might have been interesting. That would have been interesting if it was it, not. It was not. Um I don't know. Maybe it was one of the random people in the AA meeting or something like that. But (laughs) it turns out, spoiler alert, you know that if you're listening to this, you're going to get spoilers. Turns out it's the rookie partner uh, who... whose dad was the one that Chris Rock's partner murdered and then that Chris Rock turned that guy in for. And so he's like... Oh, right, so the yeah. kid had, or now grown man, had, he had met had Chris Rock of an admiration for yeah. Rock in that he did turn in the guy who killed his father mm-hmm. but hated the rest of the police but department and wanted to... Yeah. And by that point, I was just like... And, and also, the way that that character is disposed of... Uh, because we're believed... Who, we're, the, the rookie? The rookie okay. cop, yeah. We're led to believe that he was killed by the copycat, which I never bought, because it was glossed over so quickly. You know what I mean? And you would think that... If, oh, I'm with you, yeah. It, you would think that if a newer cop on the force was killed so violently that there would be some kind of attempt to verify that, and there would be, like, talk like amongst... Like the tattoo. Oh, but that distinguishing body marks. Yeah, but one one that anybody can have. Mm-hmm. Like if it was a birthmark or something that you can't art that you can't yeah, create. This is a classic, know? like you know, Walter in Big Lebowski. You want a toe? I'll get you a toe. I mean, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> and and so yeah, and so I was like, all right, that didn't really sit right with me. What like he was just talking to him on the phone, and now out of nowhere, he's like just gone, and we're moving on. Yeah, that's it. Well, he's and, just, and, he's and, just and, one and, more and, and, in a increasing Chris, body count. Sure, but then Chris Rock never actually goes to pay his well, condolences. All, you know, he's not the and, first. You know, yeah. And I so mean, it's, it's a like, series of cops getting off, and so that didn't. You know, I get it. They I, knew I get who everyone saying. else was. I get what they, you're saying. They verified the dental records of the first guy. Like they verified every other murder in it except for him. And so when that happened, I was like. Mm. Well, it still caught me off then guard. I say good for you. I mean, that's, that's I, I, I didn't that's think great. I didn't think he was the killer. I don't think this I'm is just like, no eh. first year film student. You're you're being hyperbolic, but no first year film student could make this film. It's just so um, ham fisted. All all of it is just so like I don't think it's as clever as the original Saw, it, but it thinks it is, which is a big part of my problem. I don't know about that. I think it's going more for mood, more for. Um, like I was saying in the first half, the, the look of it, I think that's where I don't see first year film student. This is a well shot film. Sometimes. I think most of it. I, I don't. There, there are some moments where it's like, ooh. Okay. But it does harken back a lot uh, aesthetically to the first one, which I, I yeah. appreciated. The, really fast, I think the both, really fast cuts. Yeah. That's the part I'm talking about. Yeah. Is like, 
where there are certain actions or like flashbacks that are like sped up really quick yeah. and like that kind of thing Rapid that montage yeah I mean, that it's... saw does where it gives you those really quick hits of like yeah. like like when the guy is uh climbing through the razor wire right in the first almost one jump it's like cutting, giving us this really kind of rapid yeah it's almost like the film is frantic. sped up you know it's very fr- exactly frantic that's what i'm looking for and so this one pays homage to that yeah which i liked yeah and i and i think that you know so so the visuals i like i I think Chris Rock does a good job. I think, I, I think he does a good performance here. He's as good as he can be. I do too. And I, I, but I, I don't think worried. the material's so weak that it can't be. Do- I think it works enough for what it is. I didn't get. I you know comparing the two as as we have to here you know as we've kind of set ourselves up to. I do think Saw is the far superior film. Agreed. It definitely had more of an original, unique idea as well as a better story structure to just bring a better package to the screen. Mm-hmm. This one relied a little bit more on, I think, the charisma of the lead. Um, well, the and, he, and he doesn't come out as the... He, he has a couple of wisecracks, but he doesn't come out as the no, wisecracking Kiss Rock... Right. Chris Rock character. Mm-hmm. He plays that part of it, I think, actually really well. Yeah. I mean, he's really more angry than he is funny in, mm-hmm. the, in this film, you know, through, throughout a lot of it. Um, I think that Samuel L. Jackson... What little screen time he gets is pretty good in it. I, I love him. I mean, I think we were to be led to believe that he was the killer, given yeah. his absence oh, for a portion yeah. of the film. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's accused by an, another cop yeah. accuses Chris Rock of it. You know, like, where's your dad been? Well, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So, I mean, th- that's one of the red herrings in the film, and he is obviously he's been kidnapped, and he's in a scenario that we're about to see unfold. Is you know one of these escape rooms, kind of the ultimate one in this film um i don't know you know i I, it's not that i saw it and i think boy i can't wait to see where they go with this Mm -hmm. but having seen it i thought this was an interesting little spin on it It did the job i don't feel like i was cheated i feel like i went in and got exactly what i expected to a certain extent and it was a thrill ride of a uh, ninety minutes in the theater for uh, for the fun of going to the theater again. Carlos, it was it was entertaining enough, but it felt like a lot longer than I. Really, it wasn't until I Googled it just now to have some resources at my disposal to say actors' names and stuff that I realized how short it was. It felt like much longer in the theater uh, to me. Looking at an article, lackluster box office weekend as U.S. pandemic calms, spiral sees eight point seven million. Yeah. We're getting into this weird phase now where we as a society generally are more comfortable getting out more comfortable maybe even going to the movies and you know we've lived through tenet being the one that was going to get us there godzilla versus kong and these other uh, films that have made some good money and a mixture of theatrical versus streaming Mm -hmm. this was not available streaming all three of us had to go to the theater i hope we can talk about the theatrical experience now that we've all gotten back into it when we in our after hours yeah. Carlos you wanted to talk about some early 2000 horror aesthetic that I don't think we got into in that first half we didn't know but I, I I mentioned it briefly just now in Spiral's call back to it we can get into that maybe during the after hours episode but I was expecting green. this movie to get more people in the theater to be honest and it's really kind of interesting that it that it that it didn't I mean, it's getting really bad reviews. Yeah. So, I mean, no, it has. I, I, I well, looked too. I didn't read I didn't reviews, hate it. but I saw the Rotten Tomatoes was There rotten. are a few that I'll quote for you that I feel are very <laughs> no, accurate into how no, I feel. No, I don't want to hear I didn't. I didn't hate it, but my biggest problem was the reveal of the killer. 
Yeah. Uh, the killer's identity, that, that it is this rookie, is yeah. absurd. No more absurd, I guess, in the rest of the film. It's Bond villainy. He's at the top yes. of a factory. Yes. And he's sitting, he's leaning back on a desk yes. like, it's me, With motherfucker. The, the, the ten minute eloquent... Let me tell you my plan. Yeah, let me tell you everything yeah, that he's happened. He's a very confident young man in his revenge scheme. I don't know, you know... I get it, and I'm not, and I'm never going to say that this is a film that you need to see, but I am going to say it's a film that I didn't feel cheated seeing yeah. and that I enjoyed. And, you know, to counter what, you know, Carlos, you experienced it the way you did. I thought it zipped along. I was, I was yeah, in I it. It was tense the entire time. Matter. I didn't feel like it let up. The pacing was there for me. It got me through. If I want a scary little afternoon at the movie theater i think this this fit the bill but i wonder you know like do people really want to be scared right now like life has been pretty freaking scary for the last year i could think of well we hope that they do or rather hollywood hopes they do because this upcoming weekend's big theatrical only release not available streaming is going to be a quiet place too and they boy did they want to make sure you knew about that yeah i've seen that trailer several in that in that trailer i'm sure y'all both y'all saw the trailer preceding this and it was like this is the experience theaters were made for well it's the it's interesting because theaters quiet place two's premiere really bookends the pandemic experience because that was the last big release before closed down oh when the the trailer yeah this thing was released yeah, and you know, then think you're right. the trailer was. Yeah, no, yeah. no, the film, the film, the, the release Quiet Place date. Two? Yeah, was in theaters, and then pulled from theaters when theaters. Mm. Oh, it was. Shut down. It was supposed to be out yep. over a year ago. Okay, I didn't. I, 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 I knew that it was that, supposed but... to be out a long time ago. Well, anyhow, I didn't know so it was you, quite that close. You, you'll, uh, yeah, we'll all have to see about that one. And I do think yeah, that you're one right. has, came out on March eighth. Has probably a better chance at drawing in the sense that Quiet Place was partly revered by a lot of people for the theatrical experience And it doesn't fit into that body horror, you know, the shoe box that a lot of people don't like It is produced by Michael Bay. um, Oh, you'll be there then. But it definitely has the gimmick of like, you know, staying in a quiet theater is going to be a lot stronger experience of the film than if you're at home and you have the surrounding sure. sounds of a... I, People love Quiet I honestly Place. would not go back and watch the original at home just because it's not going to do remotely... It's not going to no. remotely achieve that sound so system. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So this is a film... They have a point here. They were right, I think, probably to hold off as long oh, as yeah, they Oh, yeah, 100%. Have. And we'll see if it pays off Is that going to be the one? But that being said, I guess I'm never going to see the first one because I didn't see it in theaters and... Oh, you didn't see it. I know I did it. Oh, I thought you you were saying you wouldn't no, I, see no, it. No, I'm saying I wouldn't go like uh. if we did Quiet Place 2, presumably we would have to do the original with it as well. And I guess I would watch it in that context because I had to, but as far as just like something that I want to watch at home, I'm never okay. going to put well, the Quiet this? Place on at home. I'll make a deal with you. If we decide to do Quiet Place 2, I will sneak up chloroform you and i will trap you in a room <laughs> forcing you to watch quiet place in a quiet room can i help that's dark and yeah absolutely okay we you can might pitch need as long as i hand. wake up chained to something i'm okay with it. don't and worry we'll be, and there there will be beer within arm's reach <laughs> hopefully yeah. you just have to cut off your other arm to reach <laughs> yeah. it yeah but this beer that was really easy yes. to reach here for us uh the sun <laughs> well lab uh, <laughs> American sour ale, blackberries, almonds, graham crackers, cinnamon, vanilla extract, lactose. When we see that many words on a can, we tend to get excited in this yeah. room. Yeah, and I know this it. wasn't a unanimous uh, sort of positive review, but did this help the worries to vanish here? I'm honestly surprised that I was the harshest on this. I'm not. I kind of thought you would be critical of it, but 
I, yeah. I did see someone, uh, a friend of mine said, uh, she, she went, I think she went and saw it on Thursday, pretty so pretty early. And she said, Quiet Place, or Quiet Place, uh, Spiral's the worst movie that I've seen this year, maybe ever. Oh, wow. Well, and you never well, know. It if, certainly wasn't that bad. Believe me, if if I went in and I love this franchise and I went in with high hopes, I get being dashed. I, like I just don't have that have relationship. Hey, Spiral's the best film I've seen in the theater in 2021. <laughs> I didn't it's even the have the worst high that hopes. I've seen, but I've only seen four. Well, Spiral's also the worst thing that I've seen in the theater in 2021. Yeah. It's got a very strange. It's all things to everybody. When people ask me, what movie did you go see first when the pandemic was quote unquote over? <laughs> Spiral. Uh, okay, well, that's oh, what it is. I'm it's sorry, got its place Joe. in history. It's fine. It's fine. I already forgot what mine is. Oh, Jurassic Park. Uh, sorry. Moving on. I had to remind myself. Uh, <laughs> this beer is pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean... Better it, than the film. There's a lot of words on the can that I'm not necessarily getting. I'm getting I a delicious bouquet of fruit yep. and Black a nice sour there. base. But I, some of this other stuff, I mean, the lactose, you, a the mouth feels there. The body, yeah, I think the lactose is doing its thing. If anything, I feel like the graham cracker and vanilla, is there vanilla? Mm-hmm. On there? Yeah. I think those get lost. The um, cinnamon is what I'm getting the least of, and the almonds, I feel. I get a tiny little tickle. Yeah, the almonds I'm not getting either. The, the, Which the I'm things, okay with that. The things that would Don't be like it. the smoother, rounder flavors here aren't, the, the, what's there is the sharp acid, yeah. the fruity kind of... Uh, elements that go along with that and the mouthfeel. It's kind of watery a little bit, actually. I don't know. Really? You think so? Uh, I think it's got a little heft to it. A more than bit. I would expect just on how it looks. But it's because it, you do get some of the sharpness on front, but then the, uh, uh, the acidity, but that kind of goes just kinda away. It hangs very on the tongue as yeah. I swallow down I don't, in a way that like mm-hmm. a crisp, sort very of sour little jaw hingery. It's not, not that lot. you're it's right. Not it's not that, that kind of sour. Not that tart. But it's sharp on the front. Yeah, it it doesn't hang around. Mm-hmm. It's very I delightful. I yeah. Uh, it, it it only just kind of is this even the a name criticism? of this episode is delightfully delightful. That the <laughs> that the list of ingredients is not exactly transferred onto my. Palate. It's tough when you put that many things into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think anytime graham crackers got like. It, it, Would you drink this good. again? Yeah. Oh, I'd happily drink Without another a can of this. Yeah. yeah. Sun Lab yeah. does a good job on this show. We haven't really had to trash them ever. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no untasty beers. No, there, I think, it's not to go on too much of a tangent as we're wrapping up, but I think there's only one brewery that we've ever, like, trashed. <laughs> well, yeah, we we won't even go into that. But well, but no, right. no, but, we, no, but I'm trashed, just saying we don't. We have trashed a few beers only because we had a very badly infected beer. That sure, we, yeah. But but even general douchery. Have we have we like really trashed a beer? Have we ever been like? Fuck this beer and whoever made it. Like, mm. I can't believe they made me drink this. Dare to dream, Carlos. I mean, once, again. But I feel like w- normally in situations no. where just like, oh, this wasn't executed as well, or maybe it's a little old, or things like that. Um, I'm just defending us. Well, to I mean, us. <laughs> We're nice. I, I can think of two or three that we probably nice. gave a straight up <laughs> negative review to, but I think we had our reasons, and th- yeah. m- and at least two of them were straight up infected there's something yes, about the yes. film industry that we hold the contempt toward that we don't hold toward the beer brewing industry because we will come out swinging against films but with yes. beers we are a little bit like okay guys maybe you had a bad day that day or maybe da-da-da. you think we cut more slack i don't know oh, let's, let's no keep doubt. this for after hours okay, guys. okay. I, definitely cut, I definitely cut more slack to beers yes, than i do movies. we got a long night ahead of us we do 
um, even though we're uh, for the listener, we're 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 done. Unless, of course, you are a Patreon subscriber, in which case, hit the after hours. I probably maybe hopefully posted it on time. Um, I, I I give scathing indictments of my own work ethic every time I do this uh, end 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 bit. Uh, but have you seen? Uh, surely, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen Saw. But have you seen Spiral? Have you had uh, any Rebel Toad? Hopefully, if you're local, you have. Um, maybe you had some Sun Lab. Let us know what you think about any and all of these things. You can get in on the conversation on social media with us. Uh, Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie, TX Beer and Movie Podcast.com has uh, all the stuff to listen to all of the things. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, subscribing helps you be the first to know when we drop new episodes. And we know you're going to leave us that five star rating, but please leave a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future so that we can make the content that you like. Uh, but definitely subscribe and rate because that makes the algorithm do what it do. Uh, and as we mentioned with the after hours that we've referenced, patreon.com slash movie podcast, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode to accompany the main episode every single week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We don't just talk about beer and movies though. Those things are mentioned. Uh, but it is a free for all as far as the subject matter is concerned. It's a lot of fun. Um, so check that out if you would like, again, only $5 a month. That's like four to five bonus episodes every month. That's almost. It's like a dollar a bonus episode. Yeah. A little a dollar twenty five. Come on, it's not. It's not. It's a value it's proposition. It's a value. Yeah. Uh, you can always donate more too if you like. Let me know. Um, this has been another exciting, delightfully titillating episode. Delightful of beer and a movie. <laughs> Until next time. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. <laughs>